As I was thinking today about how I wanted to do the intro for today's podcast, this quote by Walter Ruther kept coming to mind. There is no greater calling to serve your fellow man. There is no greater contribution to serve the weak. There is no greater satisfaction than to have done it well. Today on the podcast, we will be speaking with Thad McAllister, Steve Falk, and Greg Hudson. In my opinion, these people are the living embodiment of that quote. Without further ado, here's the interview with the responder trainers, Thad McAllister, Steve Folk, and Greg Hudson. Say hi, guys. Hey. Hi. All right, so we'll just go around the table here at Thad. Uh, how long have you worked at the plant? I've been at Fort Wayne for February, be 24 years. And this is your first plant? And no. Okay. I started in Muncie. Um, I actually have uh, 27 and a half years in. Okay. Um, I've worked it about four years in Muncie and then transferred up here. Were you? Was it voluntarily or were you forced up? I did it voluntarily before it was forced. Ah. Saw the writing on the wall, yeah. so I so left before up. my kids got into school. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, How old were your kids at the time whenever you came up here? Two, and my second one was born a month of the day after I transferred up here. Okay, okay. Uh, Steve? Uh, I transferred up here... January of 11. Okay. Um, where did you come from? This is actually my third plant. Dang. So I started in Anderson. Okay. And then uh, went from Anderson to the stamping plant in Indianapolis. Okay. And then from up there to here. Okay. Greg? So started in Muncie, was there for a whole year. Yeah. Got in at least. And then uh, went to Indianapolis for 10 years. Okay. And um, then they closed down, so came to Fort Wayne. I've been driving here for about 11 years now okay so always lived in Muncie's about right in between Indy and Fort Wayne so I've always just made the drive okay um you're all f- volunteer firefighters correct mm-hmm. um how long have you guys been doing that uh 30 years is how long I've been on Steve I've been doing it for about 18 years dang that 35 years so and I've grown up around it my entire life okay, I was just gonna ask so what made you guys want to do it then because it you guys have been doing that l- a long time um i grew up around him my dad helped start a fire department when i was five years old i grew up down there as soon as i turned 18 guy handed me an application said he had it already filled out and he said here sign it and you're on the department (laughs) (laughs) and it's just gone from there yeah when i moved up here i transferred to a department up here yeah before i even had my house built and moved up here i was already on another on an apartment up here Uh, which station are you at i'm in a boy township okay Steve? Uh, I kind of got into it a little bit by a friend of my brother's. And then I was fortunate enough when I was in high school, we had a a high school rookie program Mm -hmm. where seniors could be trained as as first responders and run on ambulance. So I had some buddies. I didn't do it, but I had some buddies of mine that did it. And they kind of got me into it. And then later on in life, I was able to moved to a small town, the little town that I live in, and one of the guys I grew up with in high school was the fire chief at the time. Okay. And he got me talked into coming on the fire department and been on it ever since. Yeah. Greg? Uh, I kind of married into it. So my father-in-law had been doing it for probably 15 years before I even started coming around. Okay. And um, I didn't know anything about the volunteer fire system. I had no clue what it was. And I... he started doing it. I got interested in it, and mm-hmm. the rest is history. Obviously, you guys enjoy it because you guys oh. have been doing it for, all, I mean, at the very least, almost 20 years, right, yep. amongst yeah. you. 
Yeah. So what what makes you guys keep going? What why do you guys keep doing it? Uh, I just enjoy helping people. Since about the past 12 years, I took over the role as chief. Okay. And I feel like, you know, my plan is to leave the department with guys who know how to run the department, just like the older guys taught me how to do it. So mm-hmm. that's what keeps me uh, driven. My whole family's involved in the fire department. So yeah, it's just second nature to us. I don't. I wouldn't know any other way without it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I probably got the, and I do have the least time of either one, any of us. But, you know, I, I enjoy helping people. Yeah, I mean, don't act like it's not a long time though, because you've been doing it for yeah. a while. I mean, yeah. even though it's you have less seniority than these two do, but you've been but, doing it for a while. Yeah, I've been doing it. For, I, I, I've done a lot more, especially here in probably the last ten or twelve years on the EMS side of it than mm-hmm. I have the fire side, just because. I changed departments, the departments I'm currently with. I live too far out to be on the fire side to make the fire responses. So I pull a shift um, at the fire department, a 12-hour shift, and do a 12-hour shift as running EMS and have been for quite a while. Okay. Dad? It's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Yeah. um, So I, I don't know what I'd do. I left for about four years with some health issues, but then I went right back at it. So I really don't know what I would do. Any different? It, yeah. Any different. My yeah. time's coming to an end pretty quick, but... Um, how much longer do you foresee yourself doing it? Depends on how long my back can hold out. <laughs> yeah. So when that gives out pretty the next time... work. Yeah, I've got a bad back. Yeah. So when that gives out, the fire side of it I'll be done with. Yeah. EMS side, I'll probably still be able to do, but okay. the fire side of it, I've already been told I got it's time to retire from that side of it. So, um, to, to those that don't know, what is the difference between? I mean, fire side, right? You're answering putting out fires, right? Yeah. So, what's the work like? What how how different's the work on that? What do you? What can I? If I rolled up to your station, what would I expect on a fire call versus an EMS call? A lot more work. It's, I mean, it's, you're basically having anything from a fire alarm to a full-blown house fire or business fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you go in and extinguish it, do all the overhaul, clean up, make sure it's out, and then go. Medical run, you go deal with the patient, you okay. transport them to the hospital, and you're done. Yeah. Um, so. Fireside can be a lot more physical. Okay. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, both sides are stressful. Whether it's the fire side or the EMS side, physicality-wise, probably the fire side at times, most of the time, is more physical. Okay. EMS side can be too, but so they kind of overlap though. Like if you if there's people in the house, are you guys then expected to treat them? Yeah, and the fire side, even on the fire side, we still run with the EMS side of it. Okay. Um, as assistance mm-hmm. um, on what's considered a priority one which is a life-threatening situation, Okay. the fire side will run along with the ambulance. Okay. So a lot of the calls for the fire side are even medical calls. Okay. So, and even, it just depends. Sometimes the medical calls can involve auto extrication, you know, where you've got to get them out of the car to be able to get them into the ambulance. Yeah. So that can be quite a bit. Are you guys only there for the jaws or are there other instances where you guys, the fire department would be there to get somebody out of the vehicle? We will go and do whatever needs done. The car, whatever way the car is left laying on the side, on its top, on okay. its wheels, 
down a culvert in a field, we don't ever know how okay. that's going to happen. So first priority is stabilizing a vehicle, get mm -hmm. somebody out, and then start dealing with their injuries uh, from there to the hospital. So. Okay. And on the EMS side, we may pull fire guys in if we've got multiple people in a car, you know. that or just aim, more Yeah, aim, ambulance crews, only so many people. Right. And, you know, two or three guys on an ambulance most of the time. How many go out on a, a fire run? As many as you can get okay. out. As many mm -hmm. as you can get out the door. The more hands, the better. Yeah. And we can put up to six people in a truck. Okay. So. Okay. So how long have you guys been EMTs then? I was an EMT 30 years ago. Okay. And when I was young. Yeah. And when I was in Muncie, I really didn't have an area to run with. So I and being young, I just kind of let it go. And when I came up here, the EMS was part of my fire department, but I never had a chance to get my EMT again um, until about two or three, about three years ago, two or three years ago. Okay. I was able to finally, after my kids were old enough, and I was able, I found an online class, and I was able to do it through there because. I had the time to do that where I didn't have time to go sit in a class because I worked right. second shift for so long or third shift. I didn't couldn't take the evening to, to sit in class. Right. So, um, but I've driven an ambulance for the fire department as long as I've been up here for twenty over 20 years. Okay. So, but I've just become an EMT again within the last two or three years. Okay. I started taking EMT class about a year after i started on the fire department okay so 17 years ago i started so it was never a requirement no you could just do fire or you could be an yeah MTMT. some departments they do require different things okay particular department i started out on you could do fire you could do ems or you could do both okay and we tried to get as many people that wanted to be emts you know, the more EMTs you have, the better off you are because that's probably the busier part. Okay. 90% of the time, the EMS side is the busier part of the service Okay. a lot of the times. Um, so the more hands you have on deck, the better you are. Right, right. Greg? So my department is mandatory that you're at least an EMR. So in the state of Indiana, <clears throat> excuse me, in the state of Indiana, you have first aid and CPR and then you have EMR which is emergency medical responder okay and that's the minimum that my department requires but most of the people go ahead and get their EMT because it's just a higher certification and you can actually hold a job okay with an EMT certification so I always looked at that as a backup in case mm -hmm. anything ever went south at you know the auto industry okay um so I've been an EMT for probably 20 some years okay with the volunteer program, is that more in smaller counties and townships and things like that? Is that something that, like, the bigger cities have, or is it just usually smaller counties? And at, at one time, and I don't know what it is statistically anymore, Greg, you might know better than I, but at one time, about 70% of your fire service throughout the entire country was volunteers. Yep. One, one of probably the second or third largest fire department in the United States at one time was strictly a volunteer fire department. There's a, a large fire department out east that's all volunteer and they make a lot of city departments look like they don't run very much. 
Wow. Because they they are all volunteers, but they're constantly doing runs, fire and EMS. Wow, that's. I guess that's I didn't know that really. So, a lot a lot of people think that you know on the volunteer side of it that well that's just your smaller smaller communities you know your out outer communities and stuff like that but that's depending on the region of the United States you're in mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be the case. Yeah, my fire department already this year just the fire department side of it has ran sixty runs. Wow. In twenty it, days. Yeah, it's <laughs> twenty days. So when because you guys are volunteers, do you guys have a schedule? Um, and what what does your volunteer hours look like? So you're working in the plant, and then you're also volunteering. And I heard you say a 12-hour shift. I I do. So. I didn't used to, and these guys are about the same as I am. Um, when I was on my old department, um, it was whenever I was home and available. That could be any time of day, night, it didn't matter. You jumped up when the pagers went off, you jumped up and you took off. Um, where I'm at currently, I do a 12-hour shift. I work on a 12-hour shift crew, I should say. Um, normally, I work on Fridays. So, like when I get off third shift on Friday morning, I drive from here to the fire station, and I get there about 7.30, quarter to late. 7.30, quarter to late, and um, I work until 6 o'clock in the evening. And that was my other thing. Do you guys, as a volunteer, do you stay at the firehouse, or do you have pagers? Are you at home, and then you get called in? I have a pager, um, and then we also have an app on our phone that alerts us. Um, so when that goes off, I go. Um, like, for a while... Starting last March on my department, we started paying people to work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to be there for the fire crew along with the EMS crew. When we started that, we were short on people. So up until I recently switched jobs where I was working a lot more, I was going in on Tuesday mornings, and I would leave work, go to the fire station, and I'd work from basically 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's supposed to be a 12-hour shift, but I didn't get there till 7. So, yeah, so I was going and working a 12-hour shift every Tuesday at the fire station. But normally I just run off the pager and, and go from wherever I'm at. So, and being an officer, um, I have a marked vehicle that I, that we rotate on the weekends with the captains. Okay. So I have it every four weekends. Every fourth weekend I have it. Did I interrupt your question? No, okay. That w- I'm like, those are some questions i've always wanted to know well that's what i was going to say if you because i saw you writing i was like if you get anything while we're going just jump in that's totally fine um aside from calls a lot of times we have purchasing we have grants that we write we have training that we do we have truck upkeep we have station cleanup we have fire prevention that we do with our communities i mean there's always something going on at the firehouse i, I oh, think yeah. You can always go there and find something to do to better the department. Wow. So the, um, is there a minimum requirement that you guys have to put in voluntarily to keep your status as a volunteer yes. fireman? Yeah. What is the requirement? Is it different between each station? or It, it, varies, it varies between the departments. Okay. Um, I haven't looked at ours. I mean, ours are like, I can't even, it's only a couple runs a month is, okay. is our minimum. And then... We have so many trainings that we have to make, so many PR events. Okay. Um, 
I guess I haven't looked at it because I've never had <laughs> to worry about what the minimum right. was. Okay. Um, just because, I mean, for the last few years, I've ran probably close to 200 runs a year on top of my work schedule. Jeez. So. So after 9-11, the Department of Homeland Security took over for the fire EMS system in the state of Indiana. Okay. And they are the ones that put the requirements on us for what training we have to have and how much we okay. have to have. Mm-hmm. So most departments have to try to follow that that mold that they set. So it's for. pretty similar then. And some stations might require more. That, that yeah. That's the bare minimum of what you need. Correct. Okay. Yeah. To keep okay. your certifications and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And that's whether you're career or volunteer. Right. Okay. They, they set that standard. Okay. So let's get into um, you guys have worked here for a while. Uh, you guys are heading the uh, first responder training. You guys are the trainers. So what was our first responder program like at the plant before uh, we started this program? It was enough to have it on paper mm-hmm. to meet the contractual requirements. Right. Because it's in the national contract that we have one. They had it enough to say that they had it on paper. Okay. There was no structure to it. There was really nothing there. No way for anybody to respond to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they just had a list of people. That, well, these people volunteered for it, and that was it. Um the only training that they basically gave them was the health and safety cpr and first aid okay and bloodborne pathogens um and that's still a requirement um but then we're trying to take it a step further and train the people a little bit further and a little bit deeper into some medical issues yeah um and one of our goals and one of the things we're working on is we're hoping to be able to for those that want to take an EMR class, emergency mm-hmm. medical responder class, offer that available to them, um, which will greatly increase their knowledge and their ability to respond um, to medical emergencies throughout the plant. Yeah. So. Uh, do you guys have anything to add to that? or? Anything? I just know that it. they've tried it two or three times that I can remember since I've been mm-hmm. here, yeah. and it just never really, never really took off, you know. And it always bothered us, I think, until we were able to get uh, – we had someone bring the three of us together. And That's what I was just going to ask. Did you guys uh, meet – Do you guys? did you guys know each other before you guys started this? Greg and Steve knew each other. I didn't know them. Um, my, actually, Mike Kellogg okay. um, put the three of us together. Okay. Um, sort of got us our names together, and then we just happened to go to a health and safety, a CPR first aid okay class and that's where we really connected okay and started communicating and talking back and forth okay um and then it just kind of morphed into a bunch of different things and a bunch of people pieces finally came together to be able to meet with the right people um last year okay year before last year before last yeah year before last when we came back from covid okay um we were able to get together, and um, Tony Canisano got us together with Cherry and a group of other people, and Cherry just moved into her position as the assistant plant director, mm-hmm. and she was all for it and had been trying to get it moving since she was in the body shop. Um, she had, or uh, you guys have been campaigning it? Well, we were... We, we were, he. <laughs> yeah, we were all three kind of pushing for it. We were fortunate enough that we got the right people that fell into the right places at the right time to really be 
the ones that had the authority to be able to make it happen. So it's been pushed, but it took her getting that role and her wanting yes. it to, to actually. And in all reality, some of what um, helped drive that a little bit, I think. Um, we had prior to the body shop opening, we had an incident in the body shop. And, you know, I, I had hounded Cherry in the employee meetings several times in front of everybody about safety stuff and, and that kind of thing. And we just happened to have somebody get get hurt pretty significantly prior to the new body shop opening. And she got to see firsthand what it was at that time and what direction it really needed to go. Okay. It was uh, definitely a situation that would have been a lot better if there were trained people in the area Absolutely. that could have responded. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. What's that? Like, it's too bad it had to come to that. <coughs> yeah, and, you know, it, you're right, and it it opened a lot more people's eyes. And, uh, and that, that's what I was just going to say. It is unfortunate, but that's what it takes sometimes to see you're how right. bad it can get before it's right. like, okay, we need to do something about You know, this. everybody thinks that, oh, well, we're good. We've got what we need, and then mm -hmm. it hits the fan, unfortunately, and they find out. Holy crap, we really ain't got what we really need to have. Right. I mean, before, they were just hoping that, um, I mean, in worst case scenario, somebody has a heart attack, right? They have to hope that somebody in the area knows CPR to keep that person, because it's what, 10 minute ride to medical on the back of a cart from body shop, the new yeah. body shop? Well, and the problem is, is, part of that goes back to even in the North Paint Shop mm -hmm. where you and I work, yeah. how long it took somebody to get there. To, oh, to find, to respond, yeah. To find where they were going in that building, yeah. Because they didn't know it, and, and a lot of times they still don't. They still have trouble finding it. Um, the amount of time that it takes, and that's one of the things that kind of kicked it forward for me to be pushing it even harder was because of the response times that we were having, and issues that we were having. Um, I mean, I sat there and waited on an ambulance for somebody that got her foot crushed by a skid for 20, 25 minutes one night. Wow. Um, and we just stood there and waited. So that's kind of why I really wanted to push, was to get people out on the floor that were closer that could respond to them and help take care of them. Is that part of the reason that the ambulances were put in place so that way? Um, no, it was already there. The ambulances were? That's I, been, I know we have the one in the north shop. Now there's in the south shop they have a guard station. At with the Jerry Hill door. Yeah. yeah. That, they moved them there because – when they opened up the body shop and because it was so far that was cherry got got it so they could hire so security would hire an emt okay and place them in the new body shop to have somebody there and that's the reason why an emt was hired that was the only reason an emt was hired in that plant to begin with otherwise there wasn't one okay um the basically security was trained in first aid and cpr and that was it okay um and then last year they decided to move them to north paint so that emt could respond to both ends of the plant whether it be g g a or in to body or paint okay. and get a quicker response that's why that person is um by the jerry hill door now okay okay um the security right now at this time like everybody else in the nation, there's an EMT shortage. So okay. they're having a hard time getting EMTs. So I know, I think day shift and second shift has somebody there, but on third shift they don't. They're not EMTs. Oh, okay. 
to say they don't even have a body there on third yeah. shift. I know on the other shifts they do, but they're not even EMTs, huh? No. Okay. Okay. Right now, I, I think they currently have one. They've got one, and I guess they've just hired another. Okay. And they're waiting on somebody else to finish a class. Okay. But they're all still the ones that they're hiring are brand new EMTs with no experience. Oh, okay. Nah, so. Big um, so and with that, the three of us have actually been a lot of times responding plant wide. Okay. Um, I have the ability that on third shift that I can get in the truck and I can go to GA and I respond to GA okay. um, anytime that there's a call for an ambulance. So uh, you said that you respond to GA calls. Um, so we, this program's only rolled out right now to the paint and the body shop. Correct. Yes, paint and body. Um, do you guys have a time frame of when uh, it's gonna. We're gonna start training in General Assembly as well. Or, I mean, or is it you guys know you guys are ready for it, but it, you can't have the bodies or. Our our goal. We we have the people in place. Mm -hmm. We have the list made, um, but it's getting people into health and safety training. Okay. And into our first orientation and training. Um, we were hoping to have it um, in December. Yeah. But with the schedule change, that kind of threw it off. Yeah. And now with everybody out on sick leave, with COVID and the manpower issues, mm -hmm. we just can't take 45 people off the line right. and bring them to one shift to, to train them right now until things kind of release. And we have to wait till we get them through the health and safety training before they can even respond. Okay. So just kind of waiting for those things to fall in place. Um, We've got a tentative date, I guess, in February. Yeah. Um, but the schedule just came out, and I haven't looked at that yet. So right. um, we normally have a meeting every Thursday morning. Okay. Um, we canceled it this morning to come here. Yeah. Um, so we'll probably sit down next Thursday or before and, and look at that a little bit closer and try to get a definite date to get the orientation for the GA team in. Okay. And, um, and get them... Um, started on that um, health and safety training right now there's the UAW health and safety trainers are right now in the process of changing over from um, American Red Cross to American Heart Association okay. for their certifications um, and some of that's come about through some of the stuff that we've been doing because the state of Indiana for um, an EMR EMT or stuff like that does not recognize American Heart so Red Cross. Or American Red Cross, sorry. What's the difference between the – they're different just, institutions. Just, but just what? different institutions. Oh, okay. Um, so the state of Indiana recognizes American Heart, but okay. it doesn't, the Red Cross. So instead of doing – piggybacking off each other and us training something that's already been done yeah. for the certifications for state stuff – it was decided that since the health and safety trainers needed to be renewed anyways, that they would just, um, they're going to switch them over to American Heart um, instructors. Okay. So they're working on that right now. Okay. Um, and a lot of that's come about by, you know, the, the Red Cross and everything like that was a standard that they used in Michigan. You know, and that's where the training center, you know, and everything like that was at was yeah. in Michigan. And so they kind of made that a standard throughout GM. Okay. And they've kind of kept it that way for years and years and years. Well, us doing what we're doing and talking and discussing stuff and Dr. Price there at the plant, you know, 
talking with the regional medical directors through GM and stuff and saying, hey, you know, look, this doesn't work here in Indiana. It may work in Michigan, but it doesn't work here in Indiana. Okay. That's helped them open their eyes and say, hey, we need to, those guys need to be teaching what they're teaching, you know, in that particular state. Right. So that's helped open up some windows there. Okay. So um, you guys said the training for the first responders beforehand was um, they had a first aid and CPR class and bloodborne pathogen. So what uh, classes are you guys teaching in your first responder program? Well, we take – everybody goes through CPR. Mm-hmm. We take them to the next to a, a little bit of a step above on CPR. Mm-hmm. We teach a few more things that they don't learn in, in just basic CPR. Yeah. Then we also kind of go through their state practicals that everybody does when they become an EMR or an EMT. Yeah. We utilize those to make scenarios for, for guys to try to train them up more to have a better idea on what they're actually going to be doing. Okay. Things they may actually see or need yeah. at the time and have an understanding of what somebody else – like if Greg and I are talking mm-hmm. and somebody that doesn't have that training or that knowledge, they'll be able to understand what we're saying. If we say, hey, we need for you to go get this or you need to go get that, mm-hmm. they've got the knowledge on what that stuff is when we ask for it. Okay. Yeah, I think we had to have short-term goals and long-term goals, so we had to start somewhere. Yeah. So the first day the CPR was a place to start, and then we're trying to bring their knowledge level up not necessarily their certification level up yet, but their knowledge level up. Okay. And then a long-term goal is um, I'm an instructor through Department of Homeland Security, and because I'm an instructor on the fire side, I can go test out on the medical side to become an instructor as well. Okay. So I am currently studying for that test. Yeah. And once I accomplish that, then we would be going to uh, the powers to be to say, hey, we'd like to put this EMR class on. And now not only bring up their knowledge level, but bring up their, their certification. Okay. So that's kind of long-term. Okay. So you guys uh, create scenarios for the trainees to practice. Could you give me an example of, like, a scenario you guys set up? Um, well, recently, one of the first trainings we did, we were fortunate enough to purchase new stair chairs. Okay. Well, what is a stair chair? A uh, stair chair is a chair you use that makes it a whole lot easier to get carry somebody up and down a set of stairs. Okay. Um, we had some previously on ambulances, but they were outdated and damaged. Kind of damaged. Um, okay. And we talked to Cherry, and we got some estimates on them. And Cherry said, by all means, get them bought. Okay. Um, so we were fortunate enough to buy two new stair chairs, get two new stair chairs bought. Mm-hmm. And we've done a training on those stair chairs. Anytime we get a new set of a new piece of equipment or a different type of equipment right. we're going to take everybody through it so everybody has knowledge of it those particular stair chairs we took them on the outside of the body shop mm-hmm. and went up on the the what was it two or three flights stairs mm-hmm. on the side of the building yep. and had everybody sit in it and everybody helped move it up and down the stairs and showed them how easy it can be right right and with them sitting in it they can feel what it's like to be a patient Mm -hmm. and that helps them understand and be able to better care for that person and comfort them yeah i mean because it can be 
because you're strapped in and you're first, relying. You're right. When I rode in it, it was intimidating because you, <laughs> you got to trust the guys that have you. But uh, you guys showed us that only one person, they can hold it with their fingertips. This thing's pretty sturdy. It's not going to, it's not just going to run down the stairs. It's right. pretty slow moving, but. Um, and it's got what a max weight limit of. Uh, those particular ones have 450, 450 I believe. Yeah, 450, 450 pounds. pounds. Okay. So. so the two that were purchased, uh, where are they located? They're located on the ambulance and GA okay. and the one um, by the Jerry Hill door. Okay, so they're there whenever we need them. Yeah. Most of the supplies, right, are on the ambulance. All the ambulance have been stocked the same. Mm-hmm. Um, we're able to go in, and they when when they added the new body shop and the north paint shop, PTED building, they bought two new ambulances. Okay. But there were very minimal compartmentation on them. Mm-hmm. They had a roof on them, which with the roof, you couldn't really do anything on it. You could barely get somebody in it okay. um, without hitting their head on it. So they removed the roofs, and then they put compartmentation on them. Okay. And when we did that, they went ahead and took the old compartments off the old ambulance and basically made everything, all four ambulances, identical. Okay. They bought, we put together a list of medical equipment, mm-hmm. and they bought all the equipment new and replaced stuff. Some of the stuff had been on there for probably 15, 20 years. It was wow. old, outdated. So we restocked all of them, basically like an ambulance is on, on the, it's out on the street. Okay. Um, we've got all the equipment on them that we need. Okay. Um, but they're all identical now to where everything else was kind of hodgepodge, different. Yeah. So, Pretty much whoever was – well, I'm, I'm sure there's been a lot of turnover on who's been driving them, but pretty much whoever set it up the first time, it's pretty much been set up that way, would you say? Yeah, and like I said, each ambulance was a little different. Okay. So that was the big thing when we went in was to commonize everything, get right. everything the same. So anybody could walk up to it and, and know, exactly know where, where it is. Yep. Yep. So, um, so we wanted to talk about you guys are all certified to instruct CPR classes. So you guys are, I know Holly keeps talking about um, CPR classes at the hall. So you guys teach those too then? Yeah, we've done, I believe, nine or ten classes here at the hall of about 20 people per class. Is that We're about 250 people that we've put through. Wow. Um, the hall here and that's a four-hour class if anyone's interested in signing up do you guys have one scheduled now or is it kind of in limbo because of the manpower issues and the COVID issues we had one scheduled for yesterday but we decided to cancel it for the time being um we're gonna possibly sit down here in a little bit and look at a date in february okay So, so um yeah if you're if anyone listening is interested uh you can call the hall at 260-672-2209 and just let erica know you'd like to sign up for the cpr class yeah i think they're going to set them up online too okay okay to where they're available to sign up online well that's all i have for you guys unless is there anything you guys wanted to bring up or talk about i will say with the cpr class i'd encourage anybody and everybody to do it and it's not just the guys on the floor yeah I mean, we, we've sat down when we were down uh, Labor Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. That and I came in here, and we taught management guys CPR. We had 45 salary people. Um, we'd been trying to figure out a date to do it to offer it to them too. Yeah. Um, so Labor Day week, we were already off. It's like, so I contacted Cherry and said, hey, I said, this, will this be a good time to do that? Mm-hmm. She sent out an email 
So, well, let me see what kind of response I get. Within a couple hours of sending it, she had 20 people reply. Wow. And second, third shift hadn't even seen it yet. Wow. So. I will say, um, to, to what you guys said, it is a good idea because you never know when you're going to need it. Um, and it's not just something for at work. Right. It's outside of work. You know, at home, at home, right? Family events. I say, uh, out at the mall shopping with your significant right. other, whatever it is. When I mm. took the class, it's not just CPR. You guys teach the Heimlich maneuver for all ages. It's CPR for all ages. It's not yes. just for adults right. or children. So, anybody, any loved ones, if you're worried something might happen, I mean, even if you're not, it's just good to know. Yeah. Dad, do you want to? bring up the applications just if anybody's interested maybe. yeah if anybody's interested in being part of the first responder team we are still taking applications um we have setting up the ga side we were hoping to have three teams um we got enough applications to do two teams okay um we would eventually like to expand that to three teams um and with all the people moving i mean we've got a couple people that we need to pick up in paint and body still in different areas so if you're interested at the body shop entrance north or the new body shop entrance there's a box with applications um security console has applications that you can pick up and drop off there medical also has the applications there and you can drop them off right there no prayer training we will if you have it that's great but if not we will train you up to the level of that you need to be if you have a desire to want to help somebody and you know one of your co-workers then by all means fill out an application if we don't get in contact with you right away don't think we've forgot about you or thrown your application away or whatever it's in our file and put up and when it comes time to to need to fill spots we may be getting hold of you okay all right well Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right.